I have a word for today. If you have a Bible with you or got a Bible on your phone, uh, go ahead and, and open to the book of John, chapter 11. John 11. If you're new with us, new to church, new to the Bible, and you don't know who John is, that's okay. Listen the best you can, and uh, I think you'll be helped along the way. Today we celebrate, of course, the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, his, it's his death and resurrection that are the central focus of Christianity, right? If we, if we don't have a risen Savior, then we are all but following human religion, endeavoring to establish our own righteousness. And that's happening in many places, but that's not what we're doing. If he is alive, then what we are is we're living testimonies of God's power. And, uh, and some of you can testify to that personally. Um, but the mighty power that is seen in Jesus being raised from the dead is much more than what meets the eye. It's not just your average dead raising. You know what I mean? I mean, because those are easy, right? <laughs> it takes the power of God for anything to be raised from the dead. The, the death of Jesus was so special and so unique in the fact that when he was raised from the dead, uh, so, were, so were we. So he took all of, all of us along with him. In other words, when he went to the cross, Jesus suffered and died. That wasn't just your average death. He didn't die just like everybody else did. He died with us, for us. His death was the death of us all Amen. in the sense of sin and him paying the price. When he was raised, that it was a resurrection of all. So the amount of power needed there, I don't even know that I can uh, quantify that. I mean, we figure out power, our power needs sometimes when, you know, we have a remote control and we say that one takes uh, two double A's, Right. <laughs> or triple, or, uh, or this is a nine volt, you know, this powers this, yeah? Uh, like how many, how, what does it take to power your microwave? Does anybody know? What kind of power do you plug in to, into that? 110, right? The average socket in there. What about like your washing machine? 220, yeah. Uh, uh, what about a flux capacitor? <laughs> what? 1.21 gigawatts, right. Everyone knows that, come on. <laughs> what, what does it take to raise Jesus from the dead? It's so uh, powerful, so unquantifiable that we have example after example of little pieces of it. And then we have individuals saying, this is the main thing you've got to understand. I want to give you a few of those examples today so you can understand. If you're already a believer, you can know what's already in you, okay? If you're not yet, you can know what's about to slap you upside the head and, and make your life so good you can hardly stand it. <laughs> and, uh, and so this power is supposed to go beyond mental understanding to personal experience, and this is what God wants for us. See, it starts with the new birth, when your spirit's born again, then it moves on to affect your body, to affect your soul, all right, your, your mind, will, and emotions. And, uh, and this is something we need to experience. In John 11, we have one account, this is where I want to begin, where Lazarus, this guy named Lazarus, died. He was dead for four days. Jesus is showing up. He's talking with Martha, Lazarus's brother. Uh, sister. And uh, 
and it says here in verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, seriously, Martha, like I am the resurrection and the life and I'm standing right in front of you. Is that the way your translation reads? Okay. I added a little bit. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And if you read the rest of the story, he goes up to the, the tomb, of course, and says, Lazarus, come forth. I think he said it in a deep voice. And, uh, and he yelled that out, and Lazarus was raised from the dead. That was a glimpse of resurrection power. He didn't need all of it to get him out because he's only dead for four days, and you know, and, and, uh, and it was just one guy. But you see the power that is uh, personified in Jesus. It's resurrection power. It's his very nature. But knowing that, we, we run across a number of incidences in his life and in his ministry where people came in contact with resurrection power. Okay, uh, Different ones were raised from the dead that we won't go into all those stories. But one of them is interesting to me. Um, and it's about what happened in the garden right as right at the time that Jesus was being arrested uh, to go to his trial and then be crucified for the sins of the world. And so they're standing there and uh, the, the, you know, the guys with the clubs and the swords are there trying to take Jesus by force. And here's what it, here's what it reads in, in the Gospel of Mark chapter 14 and verse 51. It reads, now a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body. And the young men laid hold of him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Now, how many of this is your favorite uh, resurrection verse? Whenever you think of Easter, you think, yeah, remember that naked guy in the garden? He's <laughs> like, what in the world is going on here? Why was this guy in the garden wearing nothing but a linen cloth, okay? And when you read a few verses later, you find out it wasn't exactly warm out there because it, gives, it shows us that they were warming themselves by this fire. So it's a little bit chilly out there. You're not generally just gonna go outside wearing this linen cloth and nothing else, yeah? But this young guy's in the garden at this time following them, and he's wearing this, this linen cloth. So I'm thinking, what's going on there? And because it doesn't give us details, I am not stating what I'm about to state as 100% as absolute because, you know, I don't want to speak where the Bible's silent, but I'm going to put a few things together here, and you'll get the big picture anyway uh, uh, when, when, when we get, get through this. But there are some other events that took place in the garden there of Geth, uh, Gethsemane um, that not all the gospel writers include. Just like this story is only there one time, John writes about another thing that happened. Some of you might recall, you know, there's Peter chomping off the guy's ear and they don't all give that story, but some, they each give different parts. And one of the other events that took place is in John 18, five and six. And when they say, they're asking him, uh, Jesus asks them, who, who are you seeking? 
Verse 5, they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now again, that doesn't give us a whole lot of details, but I think many of us can can kind of grasp what's going on there because it was very common for Jesus uh, to experience and others to experience through him the anointing or the power of God. It would heal people like the woman with the issue of blood. Others would try to reach out and touch him because power would come out of him and bring healing. And, and one time they tried to throw him off a cliff and he just walked through the middle of them. It's like he got slippery, he got, something happened, but they were held back. The glory and power of God that was on him would manifest in different ways. And this is common, many of us have experienced this, I have, where the power of God is so strong you cannot stand under the weight of it. It literally physically uh, knocks you down. And this, this was a pretty cool one. <laughs> They're all bad. They're all got carrying their, their, their clubs and their swords and we're seeking Jesus and um, he, and the whole lot of them fell back to the ground. So what, what is that there? That's just, a, that's just a small, itsy bitsy manifestation of the power of God that knocked them all down. Maybe it's, I don't know, demonstration to say, I'm laying my life down, you're not taking it. Yeah, but nevertheless, it, it was a demonstration of God's power. And they're in this garden, by the way, uh, in gardens in their day, don't think of like the 10 by 10 in your backyard, uh, this big gardens, they would bury people. There were tombs, there were, people would be buried in gardens as well. And so this demonstration of power goes forth, and these guys all hit the ground, and maybe, are you with me on this? All of a sudden there's this kid with this linen garment, and that's the same stuff they buried people in. It's the same word you read over and over. They were wrapped, and they were wrapped in a linen, a linen cloth. And this guy's all of a sudden there <laughs> wearing this cloth. It's like, where'd you come from? <laughs> well, I don't know 100%, but maybe a little bit of that resurrection power hit the ground and boom, he, he comes yeah. back to life. I'm just telling you, the power of God is so real. We experience this in limited measures repeatedly. Many times people have come in here and, tell, and have told us, I came in here and got healed. Yeah, well, how'd you do that? Did you pray? No, it just happened. Well, cool. I, we can't do that. We don't have like special air conditioning or anything. It's just, <laughs> I'm going to say that's God. I'm not going to take any credit and say, that's the Lord. That's the power of God. Some of you today, you can say, yeah, I can tell God's in here. There's, an ex- there's, something, uh, there's something real. It's something relatable. I-, I-, I can't put my finger on it. I can't see it or touch it per se. But I know that, that see, there's something very real about God's power. And when you come in contact with it, oh, everything gets better. Death gets turned to life. Yeah. Something else happened uh, kind of at the time of Jesus' resurrection, which was, you know, at least 1.21 gigawatts, uh, uh, something happened there that was similar in, in fashion as to some other situations where when he was raised from the dead, he wasn't the only one. In fact, one of the writers, uh, it's in uh, uh, Matthew 27. You maybe want to look at this one with me so you see that it's there. Matthew 27. 
And notice in verse 51. So Jesus' death was powerful and his resurrection was super powerful beyond what we know, beyond our comprehension. It says, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So uh, this massive veil that separated the outer from the holy of holies, humanly not possible, but it was ripped from top to bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Okay, they're not taking naps, they're de- they were dead. Verse 53, and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So we think of the resurrection of Jesus like one person was raised up. No, that the power necessary to raise Jesus and, the, and all of the world up from spiritual death was so significant, I don't know, it's like it just, if you're in the vicinity, you're coming out of the grave too. And I, I can't wait to hear more about this story and find out who these people were and how long they had been dead. All of a sudden, they're back. And they go into the city and they talk to people. I mean, what an addition to the testimony that Jesus is alive of all these formerly dead people walking around and they got a little, you know, douse of that power too. I want to know what happened afterward. Did you go up then? Did you have to die again? What's going on? But these people, a whole bunch of them were raised from the dead. And it wasn't like one of these, you know, Lazarus, come forth. It, wasn't, it was just, they got caught up in the power. It was so massive. This power, this resurrection power, is, again, these are little glimpses of it. But even those who knew the most about it, like Paul, who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament, those who had the greatest experience, those who had the most understanding what they would do is they would pray for other believers that they would get the same understanding that he had. It, Paul, one of the most famous prayers in the New Testament is in Ephesians chapter 1. And Paul is praying for people who are already saved. So watch that. What, what does that mean? Spirit already resurrected, born again. Praying for those who are already saved that they would understand, that their eyes would be opened that they would see something. What did he want them to see? What, he want, what did he want them to get? Here, here's what he wrote, Ephesians 1.19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So these guys are already believers. They might think, Paul, what are you talking about? I already know about that power. I mean, I've been doing Easter for a while, you know. I I know about the resurrection, and he's praying. He said, no, this is what you need to know. This is what you've got to get. If If your eyes would be open to see the magnitude of this resurrection power, it would change your life. It would change the way you do life. You're already saved going to heaven, but if you'll get a revelation of this, Oh, get ready, world. You, uh, nothing will stand in your way any longer. That's the prayer. And I wonder if that's his prayer for the church. Maybe that ought to be our prayer for one another. 
Instead, we're saying, Lord, help this person in their marriage. Lord, help this person in their finances. Lord, help this person with their, their healing and their, their, their physical ailments. Maybe we ought to say, Lord, show them your power. Lord, get, give them a revelation. Open their eyes so they can see that power that raised Jesus from the dead. That power that got all those extra people up just because they were there. If we could know that same power that lives in us. Huh? We're not backing down when we go to pray and someone said, oh, I got, you know, stage four cancer. We're like, oh, this is going to need a big prayer because this one's hard. No, it's only hard compared to our power. But if we have revelation of his resurrection power, we move forward in great confidence. Our prayers go up to a whole nother level. We're like, this is easy. I mean, you haven't even been dead for four days. We know it worked on Lazarus. You're like still alive. So whatever that took, which was just a fraction of what it took to get Jesus out, and what took what that power available to get Jesus out was placed in us, I have way too much. I'm going to have to say a little short prayer for you. Because <laughs> if I do a full prayer and access full power, you'll not only get healed and set free, you might go right to heaven. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? If we knew how much there was, oh, our faith would go through the roof. This is why Paul said, this is what I'm praying for you to know. I want you to know what it took to get Jesus out of the grave and all of us with him. In fact, over in Philippians, when he was writing to them and he was expressing how all the things I've accomplished, I count it like dung for the excellency of knowing him. One of the things he said there was similar in Philippians 3.10. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I've given that all up. I don't care about anything. I just need to know about the power of his resurrection. That's the trade. Nothing I've done, just the power of his resurrection. Amen. And so the way that these things work is... What God gives us, we seek to not only know about, have a mental understanding of them, but to have an, a, a personal experience with it. Beyond just, I can quote the verses, I can tell the story, I know this on such a deep level that it affects my life in every other way. And so what the Lord has done, what God has done for us, in giving us different avenues, different practices, is to that end. Meaning this, many times people have taken what is prescribed in the Bible and they turn it into religious ritual. We do this, why? I don't know, it's just because we do this. We do, the, we do these things because that's what church is. That's what God wants us to do. And I think that's a bunch of baloney. In what way is God impressed when we just, you know, do our, our thing and follow these rituals? Uh, I don't mean they, anything we do for the Lord can be worshiped to him if it's done from the heart. Don't get me wrong. But I don't mean, I don't believe that God wants us just doing things like, like receiving communion just because that's what we do. What are you doing? I'm eating this bread. Well, I don't, we're supposed to. And we're drinking this cup. Okay. 
And, why, and do that again. Do, and keep doing that the rest of your life. Why do you do that? There's supposed to be something spiritual that's connected to it. It, in fact, specifically, everything he has us do goes back to the resurrection. It ties back to that, him being raised and us being raised with him. And every practical thing we do, physical thing, helps us in the natural world to connect to a spiritual reality, things we can't see and feel. When we make that connection, our life changes and we become the testimony. One of the other ones is this, and I'll spend a few minutes talking about this today if if you are up for it. Well, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, (laughs) It's called water baptism. Sometimes people do these things just out of religious ritual. What do you do? You've received Jesus and then you get baptized in water. I know, okay, I get that. So receiving Jesus, what happens there? Well, you get saved. You get forgiven of your sins. You get eternal life, okay? And then what does the water baptism do? And sometimes it's like silence. And, you know, those who know a little bit say, well, it's a testimony, you know, it's an outward testimony. That's true. That's true. What kind of effect does that have upon you though? If you're already saved, you're already going to heaven. That's not going to make the difference. What what kind of effect does that have upon you? And sometimes people go through the motions with these things and they don't even know why. Yet, it's one of the first things that Jesus told his disciples to do. He said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. And he said, baptizing them, baptizing them, baptizing them. That's the first thing to do. First thing you want to do is you want to make disciples, baptizing them. Well, why? What, what, What is that supposed to do? Obviously something hugely important, bigly, right? Something very, very important. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't mention that first. And so what does it mean? Okay, the word, the Greek word for baptize means to submerge, means to uh, overwhelm. Uh, it, it, It means to immerse. Okay, so watch, when a person gets saved, when they receive Jesus as their savior, they get put into, they get submerged, if you will, into the family of God, into the body of Christ. Okay, when I received Jesus, he took me and went, okay, now you're in my family, you're in it, you're surrounded by it, that's your new place, your position from now and forever, you're in. When someone gets baptized in water, it's the same meaning, they get placed in water, they're surrounded by it, they're submerged, they're, they're covered in water the water, all right? Um, Why? What's going on there? (laughs) Some of you are preaching my message for me. It's all a connection to something. It's all a connection to what Jesus did. It's all designed to take what Jesus did and make it experiential on our side. If it's not done with that knowledge, we might just be getting wet. Huh? Maybe with a good heart, but with lack, a lack of knowledge. Let, let, me, let me read to you one verse from uh, Amplified uh, from Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21. He writes, And baptism, which is a figure of their deliverance, talking about Noah and the flood, does now also save you from inward questionings and fears, not by removing outward body filth, bathing, but by providing you with the answer of a good and clear conscience, inward cleanness and peace before God, because you are demonstrating what you believe to be yours through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
So when someone says, I believe, I have something through the resurrection of Jesus, when they then get baptized in water, they are outwardly demonstrating that reality. So then what takes place is, well, similar, okay? You got Noah's Ark, you got the righteous that rise above, all right? You've got everything else that didn't survive. All the sin, all the wickedness, drowned in the water, well, that's righteous was saved. When a person gets baptized, what's happening? I tell you, anything of my past, anything that's trying to hold me down, anything of the old life, it stays in the water while I come out. Yeah. Amen. And it no longer has an effect upon you or your efforts to live for Christ. Many people, they, are, they get saved and then they're living. It's like they have an anchor. It's like, they're pull, it's like there's a weight and it's pulling them backwards. It's pulling them towards their old life. And they're trying to live for Christ. They're trying to live for the Lord. And it's just like there's something always pulling them down. What do they need? They need some water. Water. There's another story. Israel, the nation, the children of Israel, were slaves in Egypt. God sent Moses as their deliverer, let my people go, 10 plagues, all that. Finally, Pharaoh gives in and says, you can go do your sacrifice to your God, yada, yada. They let them go. And so they're cruising out of town, heading to Canaan, to the promised land. And shortly after they left, what happened? Pharaoh changes his mind and says, no, let's get them back here. Let's not let them go. It's like, have you not learned anything? Anyway, uh, let's get them back. So they're, they're cruising out of town and they run up against the Red Sea and now they have Pharaoh's army behind them and the Red Sea in front of them and they have to go through that to get to the promised land, yeah? So what happens? Moses stretches forth his rod, the sea opens up, they go through on dry ground, they come out the other side, Pharaoh's army comes in to follow them through, water on both sides of them, they're coming after to get them, the water caves in, they all die in the water. Do you see what's going on here? I tell you, when someone is set free, Egypt is a type of sin a type of bondage to sin. When someone receives Jesus as their savior, they're set free. They are out of there. They are loosed from their bondage, from their captor, captors, and they are heading towards God's will and plan, a land of blessing and abundance and prosperity. It's Canaan's land. But what's gonna happen shortly after you get saved is the enemies of your past are gonna try to come after you and pull you back. They're gonna come and temptation's gonna come. Old... People you hung out with are going to come and try to get you back to the party and get you back to doing some things that you walked away from and they're going to start pulling you back, pulling you back, pulling you back. What do you need to do? You need to go through the water. It isn't until you go through the water that you get freedom from all those enemies of the past who want to pull you in the back, back to, your, to your previous life. Amen. And so when someone goes through the water now, <laughs> now the enemies are drowned and I can, I can walk free and enter into God's best instead of trying to have a battle with them for my, the whole rest of my life. 
What's taking place here? It's not a spiritual change. It's mental. It's in the realm of the soul. The soul gets affected by being baptized in water to the point where the enemy loses his grip, that stronghold of the mind that defines you as something you used to be, that accuses you for the things you used to do, that labels you as something you no longer are. And when that loses its grip from you, now you enter into God's blessings. Hallelujah. And so uh, what happened with me years ago is um, I started learning about this very truth that I am explaining to you. And I had been baptized actually and sincere of heart, but but with little knowledge, little understanding. And when I began to see the types and shadows and I began to see what, that this needed to have a dramatic experience, uh, effect upon my life, I decided, you know what, I need to, I need to redo. Maybe they need to hold me down for a second, you know, but I don't want to do, I want to do this with faith. I want to do this with faith in the power of God. And so I did, and I got baptized in water and I came out and I was expecting God to do something powerful, even though I didn't know exactly what. Sometimes people know specifically, but I'm just like, I just know this was supposed to be more than ritual, more than just checking the box. I did it, cool, got that done, got, my, got the certificate, baptized. I, it needed to be more powerful to me. That's why, I, that's why I did. And I did, I came out wet in the moment. I'm like, I, it's not like I had some great feeling or anything like that. But over the next few days, it was amazing. All I can tell you is that I experienced the peace of God in such a dramatic way that it seemed tangible. I can remember sitting in a chair thinking, it's so quiet. It's amazingly quiet. I was enjoying it. No boredom, just peace. See, I didn't even know it was loud before until I experienced the peace of God in that enhanced way. And it was amazing. Have you ever been in a room maybe where the, you know, there's a fan going and you didn't even realize it was until it went off? And then, oh, wow, it's quiet in here. <laughs> I don't know if that completely paints the picture, but I experienced the peace of God in a very tent, and it lasted for days. I mean, maybe it still lasts, I guess. I just, it's not dramatic now, but it was a very, very powerful experience when I did that in faith. Yeah. We've had, we get testimonies all the time around here. We get lots of testimonies, keep sending them in, appreciate that, of different things. One of them we get testimonies on regularly are people being baptized in water. They get baptized, they say, this changed, this was healed, I'm not, now I'm free from this addiction. I had this experience. All kind of, just random things. People just send testimonies about being baptized in water. I remember just a couple of months ago, Pastor PJ carried a guy in because he couldn't walk and he walked out. I mean, so is baptism about healing? It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus being resurrected and our identification with him. And so when you do that and you know this is about Jesus conquering death and defeating sin and paying the price for everything. This is Jesus out of the grave and now it's me. What are the limitations there? 
healings, deliverance, people get set free. I experienced amazing God-level peace. What, what, what happened in you? I don't know your story, but I can tell you this, uh, that today we're doing things a little bit differently. I don't know. Did you notice earlier during worship that we had, we, we had a bunch of people got baptized? And you say, I didn't even know we were doing that today. We weren't. But I had the staff prepare for anyone who wanted to do it spontaneously. And so 12 of them in the first service did that. They stayed. Those were first service people. Have you ever seen one of those first service people? (laughs) Now you know what they look like. (laughs) No, they were, (laughs) I'm just kidding. They were first service people who stayed longer so they get baptized. What? And they didn't sign up. They weren't prepared for it, but they were inspired in the moment. And they said, this is it. This is my answer. This is what I need to do. And God dealt with them. So here's what I'm saying to you today. Uh, Happy Resurrection Day. If you want to get baptized, we're ready for you today. Amen. Here, and uh, someone said, I didn't bring any clothes. Well, we brought clothes. We got shirts and shorts and towels for you. The rest is on you. Okay. And uh, uh, so I'm saying this again, just like I did last service and all those people said, sign me, I'm doing it today. Some others might say, I want to wait till next time. I get that and that's fine. Some want to strike while the iron's hot. You're stirred right now. If you want to today, we have one more service and you could stay for the first part. We baptize you in water during worship like we did today. And then, you know, third service people can see what you guys look like. (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, if you want to, to do that today, we're ready for you. You have to be willing to walk out of here with wet hair and, and, and something you weren't necessarily planning on. But I just think if you're stirred, giddy up and let God work in your life, we will make a way. And you can do that today if you want. What you're going to do is if you want to, after the service, uh, Pastor PJ, will, he'll, he'll close in a few minutes and he'll be right over here and you can just come up there and say I'm ready, I'm gonna do this, and, uh, and then we'll do that. Praise God, amen. And I tell you, what's happening is we're making a connection with resurrection power. This isn't the only way to do it. There's more, there's, other, there's prayer, there's these other things we do, but this is one way you connect and identify with and come in contact with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Because if you're a believer, it lives inside of you, amen. Amen. Now, if you haven't received the Lord yet, you'll want to do that first. Otherwise, you're just taking a bath. <laughs> and, uh, and so, I'm gonna, and we're going to talk about that in a second and, and help everyone to know the Lord that wants to. And, and then you can move on from there. Praise God. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for working in us.